Welcome to the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference podcast presented by ESPN and 42 Analytics. This is Jessica Gelman, who along with Daryl Morey co-founded and chair the conference with a fantastic group of MIT Sloan students each year. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Good afternoon, and thanks again for joining us at the 2021 Sloan Sports Analytics Conference. My name is Jack Glassberg, and I'm a first-year MBA student at MIT Sloan, and it's my pleasure to introduce our panel, Need Fantastic Trophies. Our panelists today are Mark Cuban, owner of the Dallas Mavericks, Roham Garagoslu, CEO of Dapper Labs, Lior Avidar, founder and CEO of Alt, Nicholas Julia, CEO of SoRare. Our panel will be moderated by Daryl Morey, president of basketball operations at the Philadelphia 76ers. The panel will run for 35 minutes and we will leave 10 minutes at the end for questions. Please use Twitter to submit questions for our panelists using the hashtag SSACNFT. Questions will then be selected by the moderator. With that, I'll turn it over to Daryl. Hey, I'm excited, guys. I'm going to dive right in. I do want to dispel one rumor that I just did this to figure out from the experts what I should be investing in. So, But uh, I'm going to dive right in. I'm going to assume everyone knows what an NFT is at this conference. Like, I hate that everyone starts with that. So we're just going to assume everybody knows what it is. And I'm going to jump right to, it seems very obvious to anyone who's the age of the folks on the panel, there's going to be this boom phase and then there's going to be a shakeup where certain NFTs, certain asset classes um, are going to fade or go to zero. Which, which ones do you guys think are going to survive uh, when we get through the, the shakeup and, and uh, the boom phase here and why? Um, yeah, yeah. You want to go, uh, Raham? Well, I mean, my analogy is always websites, right? Like, there's there in the dot com phase, everybody got excited about every new website that came up. But it's very easy to create a new website, just like it's easy to create a new token. I think what's going to differentiate folks is is the people that can build a brand, the people that can build a community, um, and the folks that are offering a you know product or service that customers want. So, uh, you know, I. I in terms of NFTs specifically, that's sort of what I would look for is, is uh, projects that are backed by great teams on our, and have good communities around them and have a economy design that, that can be sustainable uh, years and decades into the future because that's the, that's the unique thing about NFTs as digital objects, they'll, they'll live forever. Yeah, totally agree with that. And I think like this, uh, like people should look at uh, companies uh, looking after 50 years and projects looking after 50 days, right? Uh, so again, like people um, building great products with, uh, with a vision, uh, with a utility, um, with a great team. Um, so yeah, uh, totally agree with that. It's very easy to create. 99% uh, of these projects would be dead in couple of months or, or years and um, and so yeah, it's important to look after the one that are looking uh, decades ahead. Which ones, yeah, I mean, won't, I which ones won't make it? <laughs> Those that don't, look, collectibles are collectibles, you know, and 
it's very analogous to the physical world. A lot of people try to create collector communities around a lot of different things, you know, and the ones that de develop strong enough communities will succeed. But in, in my mind, the, the whole collectibles world with NFTs is just proof of concept for the applications that are going to come that disrupt traditional business applications. This is just us learning how to use NFTs, what tokenization is, um, and that'll inspire people to find new applications. And those will truly be disruptive and where the real weight of NFTs will take place. I'm waiting for those utilities. So I think for me right now, just similar to what Roam and Nicholas said, like the teams that actually can show the rate of innovation, like right now these NFTs, you can't do too much with them, but the ones that are showing early signs of like, hey, like maybe this will be backed by something where you can use these NFTs to interact with the physical world. I think those that are going to have the most uh, probability for success in the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Like I, I see NFTs like uh, purely as collectible. They are very powerful. I mean, the one that will build brand and communities. So this is something very powerful. That you have the digital utility could be games or, or whatever utility you have in the digital space, and then you have the NFT as an access to a real world experience, like a discount uh, to go to the stadium or meet a specific player. Like this is a third type of utility that is very strong. And yeah, I agree that uh, maybe this is the one that we, we don't really see today, uh, but, but yeah, I'm sure there's uh, great teams building stuff in the space. I, I will say from someone that's not in it, it is hard to differentiate between the good ones and the bad ones, given that we're so early right now. Like you really yeah. have to take people's word on it. Um, no one's really developed something that's close to the utility component yet. Yeah, I mean, it's 1995 all over again. It really, really is. As someone who was right in the middle of all that, where everything was just coming at you fast and furious, um, it was hard to discern what was going to be real. And there was a lot of money and a lot of named investors behind a lot of projects that went away. But there will be the eBay, there will be the Amazon, there will be some really huge players that come out of this. But it's not obvious necessarily who they are other than top shots and you guys, of course. Right. But I think that that's a good point. The best investments are building or investing in the companies that are building NFTs, not in the NFTs itself right away right now. Mark, which one are you going to buy and then short on the way down? Yeah, it's too early yet. You know, there's, you know, and it's interesting. Buying doesn't mean the same thing anymore. It, it's almost like, um, you know, do you buy equity or do you buy tokens and tokens now because of governance have some things that aren't really like equity. You never want to say that, but it's just different. And so you, you have to really make decisions like flow has got a token, but you can't buy it in the United States. And a lot of organizations that are creating NFT based companies, they're based outside of the United States because of the laws and regulations from the sec. And so there's also bigger questions about what countries really benefit from a lot of this and and is the united states going to enable it or are they going to hinder it and so you know so when it comes to investing it, it's really weird because you know i talked to a lot more singapore or indonesian companies and because that's where they're based with foundations than american companies money where your mouth is where are you guys personally buying nfts or investing in companies right now or what ones would you like to see created? That you're like, hey, why haven't someone done that one? I, I want to invest in that one. Personally, I, I, I love the, the originals like uh, CryptoKitties, CryptoPunks. 
I mean, yeah, this this early project backed by teams that you know were here before the hype. Uh, there's a special connection uh, for me at least. Um, and then everything related to sports <laughs> uh, is is of interest uh, for me. Um, I think there's a couple of interesting project building around the metaverse, like Decentraland, Sandbox, uh, Crypto Voxels. Um, and maybe there, uh, like outside of Spawn, there there are like the advanced projects in the space. Uh, so yeah, these are the main ones for me. I personally want to subscribe to what Mark said, and I think there's just going to be a lot of experimentation, and and it's it's I personally encourage the experimentation. So anytime I see a creator doing something that's new and different, or 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 they or there's something that I just like personally, I that's what I focus my purchasing decisions on because we're, we're in the 90, 1995 phase of the, of the internet. These assets will be around forever. If I like it, I'm actually buying to, to keep it in, in, in most cases um, or to support the innovation, right? To, to kind of just help more creators create more things. And, and I think that's what's most special here. You know, I, I never try to give kind of investment advice, but the coolest thing here is you can kind of like, you know, Kickstarter or Patreon or something, you can go, encourage innovation and then you have a piece of that you hold a stake in it uh hopefully it's something you emotionally value um but yeah it's open markets and it might appreciate uh, in price as well example yeah, i mean can you give an example of some ones you've done Roham, recently um there's a great team that that makes these digital sneakers called artifact um they they work with a 18 year old artist called ferocious and a really really big fan of their work this is Hackatow. Um, they're a, a couple, uh, an artist that, that works as a couple. Um, this is a sort of collaboration with CryptoKitties, but they do collaborations all over the place. Um, a fantastic artist by the name of John Orion Young. Um, really likes supporting his work. Josie uh, Bellini, coin artist. There's so many folks out there, but you know, every person will sort of gravitate towards their own. Of course, there's Mike Winkleman, folks like people who are at this point, you know, multi-millions and millions of dollars, but you know, so many people getting started. It's 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 a renaissance in terms of digital art. So, um, you know, I I, um, I encourage folks to go out there and try it. And when it comes to sports, sports has the clearest sort of value dynamics, right? And when you look at products like Alt, you know, they they've built a, a platform around asset class, which is physical collectibles. Um, there's no reason to not apply that same sort of uh, lens and analysis to digital collectibles and. Yeah, the market's super early, so prices vary a lot. But, but so I, I look at art and sort of supporting creators a little bit differently than, um, you know, this idea of sports collectibles and and uh, things that have maybe more of a um, analogy to to existing uh, existing markets. Yeah, I like you know obviously I got um, my Mavericks on Top Shot. I think Christoph Porzingis is dramatically undervalued, so I've been grabbing a lot of his stuff. Um, and then what I like to do, I like to go where the gasless stores are. Like I'm an investor in mintable.app and they have a gasless, basically free minting approach for NFTs. And, you know, a lot of artists who are just trying to figure out NFTs will go on there. And there's some amazing, amazing stuff that I'll buy, you know, cause I like it. And, and I don't buy to speculate on them. I buy to keep them. And I literally started a company called lazy.com that we, we developed and designed and, you know, released three weeks ago. Now it's three and a half weeks ago and we have over 200,000 users and, you know, I post them up on there and it's, it's a URL that's in all my um, social media profiles. So I get to show them off. And, and so it, it's really, this whole thing is, is 
fun as a collector, hard as a speculator. Well, since we brought up sports cars, I want to dive into, you know, we have the uh, arguably, if not for sure, the two leading sports uh, collect NFT sites uh, in the world right now with uh, so rare and, and top shots. Uh, I want, I was, I wanted uh, Roham and Nicholas, if you don't mind, uh, I want to like sort of have you guys talk about all the choices you've made. Cause you've made uh, extremely different choices in how you are rolling out your site and building your community, whether it be from onboarding packs, drops versus auctions, whether it's an open uh, back end or a closed back end in terms of how people can trade their cards, uh, whether you sell in auctions or sell with buy it now type prices. Um, yeah, I'll start with Nicholas, uh, you know, talk through your choices on that and why you made them and maybe why you think those, uh, your choices are, are uh, better for at least your community. Um, yeah, so I, I think uh, so. Something that is very important for us is the is the utility component of the of the NFT and the collectible. Uh, and so we, we started thinking about building a good fantasy game uh, with an open economy. So and this this was really the starting point for us. Uh, and it ended up that the best way to build that was to use NFTs. Uh, and uh, it ended up that we believe that if you want to engage your community on a 10, 20 year journey, building a game first, being a game, gaming first company uh, with a long-term progression uh, is, is, a, is a good way to engage uh, your community. And so uh, it, it makes things uh, a bit complicated because you need to have the marketplace and the collectible business, and then you have the gaming business and you, did, you need to be exceptional at both. And so during the first three years of the journey, like, yeah, most of the questions are like, are you marketplace or collectible company or are you a fantasy company? We are both. You know, it's, it's a fantasy game with an open market. And so if you- Can I, pa- can I pause you on that, Nicholas? Uh, my yes. sense is people are going to grab the cards. Maybe it's right now. Maybe it's because it's the, 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 the craze phase of NFTs. Like how many of your users are actually playing the game? Yeah, it's more than 95% of users that buy more than five cars end up playing the game. Why? Hopefully because the game is fun, uh, but also because, you know, it's, it's, the game is free to play once you own the NFT. So, I mean, you have a rational interest to just you know, try your luck uh, and, and make the best choice and strategize to, you know, try to win more NFTs uh, and progress in the, in the meta game. So, um, so yeah, it's even the one that come, you know, to collect because they have this emotional connection with this or this player they and they end up uh you know playing the game um and uh and yeah of course that brings a lot of retention it's uh, now it's close to 80 percent monthly retention i think the fantasy element is uh is bringing a lot uh, i mean it's helping a lot uh for that and yeah regarding the other parts of your question uh so uh, you said uh like the yeah auction versus packs uh, so regarding packs, uh, so as we are a fantasy company leveraging NFTs, uh, the scouting element is very important, right? So you, you are watching this game and you are seeing this player doing well and you want this specific player, right? Uh, and so if you need to wait uh, and opening 10, 20, 50 packs before you know, going to this player, it's a pain. Uh, and so we wanted to have some, you know, product where you can really, what you see is what you get. It's transparent. So that's the first reason. And the second reason to have uh, transparent packs um, 
are more like legal reasons uh, because I, I'm not an expert of every jurisdiction, but at least in Europe, loot boxes are being banned in more and more jurisdictions uh, and there's a lot of pressure in, in a lot of countries. And so, so we are seeing kind of 10, 20 years down the line uh, and we think at least in Europe, uh, that's the, the right approach to start with. So for those two reasons, uh, we, we are selling transparent uh, packs and, and, and what you see is what you get, right? Uh, so that's, that's, that's the reason for, for, for this decision. Um, and yeah, I don't know if uh, I covered I'll let Roham, Roham take it from here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, those are really good points. And look, like I encourage, I, I want to see experimentation. And I think it's so awesome that uh, a team like like Nicholas's is, you know, really well funded and going after creating, exploring new directions in this space. I can tell you, CryptoKitties was what Nicholas is describing, a game first, collectible second. What we, and, and you know, the, the, the entire kind of collectability of the cats was related to the game because it was about, it is about the genetics of the kitties and how you use them to create more uh, and rare and rarer cats. And so our, our, our learning there was actually that these, the, the normal way to think about product development is you build apps and assets live inside those apps, right? You have an app store and then in each app you can buy stuff. But NFTs, what's crazy about them is that these apps live outside of, these assets live outside of any individual application. So what we started with Topshot, and Topshot is 0 0.1, uh, it's like a version 0 0.1. There's so many more things we're going to add to the product, but the asset is the bedrock. The asset is the foundation. The app store comes around the asset, as in you first get the asset. It's, it has a foundational economic value. It, it doesn't, you can't create new assets through gameplay. You can't, uh, the gameplay doesn't sort of impact the, the value of the assets in a sort of macroeconomic way through scarcity, things like that. What the game does is it gives you things to do with your assets. So it's kind of similar to, let's say, Fortnite. The, the game acts as social context for the collectibles. You can show them off to people. And it acts as a free play experience where if you don't have collectibles, you can get started uh, and, and sort of look at others' collections and say, well, that's really cool. That Mark has a really cool um, Luca three-pointer. Where did he get that? What is that even? Why does it give his Luca uh, powers that my Luca doesn't have? I want that myself. And so we completely flipped it on its head. And the vision we have for NFTs is that a customer should buy the thing that they like, and then developers can build all kinds of products and services for it. So there's already a team building a fantasy game for, for Top Shot. Um, and we'll, we'll, you know, it's, it's called Swish and it's in testing. A bunch of the community likes it. But if you're a collector and you don't want to engage with fantasy, you don't have to. If you're a collector, you don't want to play the free-to-play sort of casual mobile game we have coming out, you don't have to. Um, you, you can just sort of enjoy the, the asset value. And in fact, probably the highest end collectors um, fit that description. They don't want to figure out how the game works. They just want to look at a market. They understand markets. They understand uh, basketball. They understand sort of they, they bet on players and the careers of folks. And, you know, maybe I have an insight that, that this person is under uh, is sort of undervalued by the by the world. Um, and that's what I act on. And so we really wanted to make sure that because What's different here is that these are open economies, that the economy is the is the sort of bedrock of the of the experience. Now, in terms of all the other decisions, look, we'll have auctions too. We'll have um, we'll have the ability for users to even one day be able to create blind packs and things like that. It's just what do you start with as the experience? And we want to have something very simple. 
pack drops are always exciting. They're always, they're not like, uh, we, we are very well aware of those loot box um, uh, regulations. All our pack drops are flat packs in the sense that you buy a rare pack, you know you'll get a rare moment. You don't know which rare moment you'll get, but you'll get one rare moment, um, that, that kind of thing. So that brings the surprise, the delight for a new user. They don't have to make any decisions. If they get lucky enough to actually get a pack, it's going to be great. Um, and then on the other side, the marketplace is open 24-7. You can go on there anytime. It's fully transparent. You can look at the trading history of every single asset from uh, sort of creation to, to, to now, or the whole chain of custody, provenance, everything is transparent. You don't need to know anything about blockchain. Again, just go read the, the trading history. And that, that's what we really wanted to enable. Um, and so, you know, I think, I think in terms of all the other features, you know, they're coming down the pipe. Um, I love experimentation in the ecosystem. But those are some of the reasons why why we made the decisions we did. One follow up, then I'll go to Lear. You're, you've you've had a lot of attention recently on uh, both your, uh, you know, how you how people can buy and sell in in your marketplace. It sounds like you're looking at changes there. How do you view that marketplace looking in uh, I don't know a few months down the line versus what they see today? So is that a question for me? Oh, that's for you. Yeah, Rohan. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, well, the marketplace, look, like NBA Topshop marketplace alone has done half a billion dollars of transactions in the last six months. It's, it's, it's working really well once, um, you know, we, we've, we had some scalability issues. We uh, 30x the user base, so we need to catch up on support tickets and, and these kinds of things. Um, but I think the sort of the, the, the bones of the experience are, are exactly what we needed. And NBA Topshot, the marketplace is a little bit more like a Coinbase style experience where it's custodial. We work with regulated partners. We let people bring credit cards, but also bring uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, et cetera. And everything within there, um, we do full identity verification. We do full compliance checks, anti-money laundering, all of these things. That slows down the process a little bit, but I am 100% convinced that's what mainstream fans need and want uh, because the other way is, 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 I mean, it's the regulation is unclear, but it's questionable. And for a user to come in and say, well, I have to remember my seed words. And if I forget them, I lose my entire collection. And if I, if someone buys something from me with a stolen credit card, that might be a problem or, or what, it's just too much uh, overhead and context. And so, you know, ultimately, if you're a user that wants to manage your own keys, use a hardware wallet. All of these things use, you know, secondary marketplaces, do crazy things like fractionalize your collection or collateralize it and take out loans and things like that. All of that will, will, will be supported and will be coming on the Flow blockchain. The Flow blockchain is completely open, but in mbatopshot.com, that experience, we want it to be a protected bubble because we want someone to walk off the street, not care about cryptocurrency um, and to be able to buy the one the $1 thing they want and pay five cents in fees for it. You know, that's like... That's, I think, where it has to start. Well, that's very cool. It's coming. Leo, you've taken a very different approach to, you know, really, you're, you're coming at it from an orthogonal perspective, really. Like how, you know, tell us how you're basically dealing with physical assets, but, you know, making it, you know, more frictionless than how people deal with it. Yeah. And a lot of people compare like cards to NFTs. And the reality is they're, they're very different markets. There is some overlap scarcity, the packs. But the reason people like cards is their the, the preservation, like the fact that you can buy a car from the 1800s and it's still alive, like these things decay, right? And you can go and get them authenticated and they have different conditions. It creates a different marketplace dynamic. Like there's more art appreciation and I think it's less utility-based. Uh, so for us, we just created the way of actually acquiring those cards to be a lot easier. 
And so cards right now function a lot more like art, but the infrastructure to support them, they're still stuck in the 1800s. And so what we've done is we've taken the infrastructure for other asset classes, particularly stocks, and have applied them to sports cards. And so now when you want to go buy that card, you can go online. We have everything in custody already. So right now, most people are buying it on eBay. There's fraud, there's returns. You buy it, you get it right away. If you want to sell it, and this is where it kind of overlaps with NFTs, that transaction happens instantaneously. And so you can just get them. You don't have to worry about that transfer of payment and the shipping. And so we've tried to facilitate that, but for a different asset class. So there's a lot of overlap, but it's just, I think the markets functions completely differently. Well, go ahead, Mark, sorry. No, as you say, it, it works out great. It's a lot like StockX and it works well. You know, you don't have, you know, what I like about what Roham and Leo are, are both doing is they put the consumer first. And I, and I think that's key. The, you know, the brilliance of Top Shots is you can buy a, a moment, like you can buy a pair of socks on, on Amazon and the, the friction is very friction-free. And, you know, dealing with collectibles, physical collectibles, the friction is enormous. I mean, you know, and you have to worry about your little brother or your kids eating them or throwing them away or whatever. And, and so all that just, appears and so they're, they're both great apps well it seems like to go back to the theme of the start of this that you guys because you guys are all talking about the trust as you guys see the trust in the community you build as key to surviving this probably very likely upcoming shakeout of you know which nfts are going to sort of make it to the other side do you agree or disagree with that just anybody or it's a terrible question. I think it is a terrible question. So, <laughs> so, so we'll move on. We'll move on. Um, uh, let's see. One thing that uh, I, well, I'll just ask one rapid fire question because it'll lead to others. Do folks think, uh, each of you take a bet. Do you guys think crypto punks in a year will be worth more or less? Just, uh, you know, uh, punk over punk. Mark's I think crypto up. punks be worth yeah, I think more. Yeah. Yeah. And what's the reasoning behind that? Because there's a certain classics, right? There's classic styles, there's classic looks and CryptoPunks has just become a classic. And it's still relatively small audience in terms of people who understand it. And as more collectors come in, the things that'll be easiest to value are the ones that have the longest term trading history and the most um, demand, um, floor demand, right? So I, I just think they'll continue to go up. It's like you bought the Mavericks before lots of rich people realized that that was a good investment, probably. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, or no, it's just more a demand. It's supply and demand, right? The supply is somewhat finite, and the, the demand um, will only continue as more people understand NFTs and understand and get into collecting. Um, and I, so I think, you know, the classics, if you will, the OG crypto is going to continue to accelerate value. I'm going to take the other side of that bet. I think as the general supply of all NFTs increases, that's the danger. It, it actually functions uh, or affects the function of actual NFTs. So until there's a big differentiator between the ones that actually are high value versus low value, like the more NFTs, it's kind of like in cards, we have the junk, junk era of cards. We're, we're getting close to the junk NFT era, right? So many people are minting it until there's a separation between the top brands and the low brands. It's going to be hard to distinguish. I, I, I oh, but put crypto all my... Box, yeah. Yeah, the CryptoPunks is, is a brand. Yeah, there's no question that, that CryptoPunks is a brand. Um, and there's certain ones that are the Hannes Wagners, right? They're, you know which ones they are if you're a collector. And 
you there is a lot of cachet to owning a crypto fund. Like if you go to lazy.com slash mcuban and you, you're going to see my crypto fund. It's pinned right up front. My moon cats were up there for a couple of days and then they came down. But my crypto punks are going to be there. And when, you know, we integrate with flow, you're going to see my KP, my Luka Doncic. You're going to see those up there because, you know, we live in a world now where we brand ourselves online. That's what social media has taught us. And part of our brand, you see it now with with um, with the social media profiles where, you know, where people, if they have a crypto punk, they're putting it in there and that's part of their identity. And, and I think, you know, you're right. I don't disagree with you, Liar, that that there's going to there's so many NFTs that most of them become obscure over time. But I think CryptoPunks has established themselves as a brand. All right, we're getting questions from the audience. Uh, first one is uh, obviously uh, the NBA and soccer have been out first on the connection to sports. What other what other sports do we think is going to be next? And uh, uh, do yeah, the, the follow-up is, do we think these are good for the leagues to have them? I think that one's yes. I don't think anyone say no on this panel, at least. <laughs> so what are the next sports that are going to jump into this, we think, and why? I don't know about the NFT world, but F1 seems to be incredibly popular these days, and I think that one is gaining a lot of popularity. Yeah, eventually all the sports uh, will, will, will go, will, will, will have the NFCs. Uh, that's, uh, that, that's for sure. Uh, so, uh, yeah, probably US sports are looking at uh, what's going on with, with, uh, with Top Shot. Uh, you know, in the, in, the soccer, in the soccer space, all the leagues, of course, are, are looking at it too. Uh, I think that MLB, uh, you know, tried something uh, um, two years ago. Uh, I, I'm not sure if the pro project is live uh, still. Um, I think it's not. Uh, and uh, and the Formula One tried something with Delta Time too. Um, not sure what, what, the, what the project is uh, in terms of development. Um, but I think there's a game that is uh, that is out there. Um, and uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, and Rohan, let, let me jump in because I know you're going to answer the more important questions. But I think the, the first question is, how deep are each is each league going to allow NFTs to go? Because on the surface, Rohan, I'm sure, is going to tell us about deals with all of them. But the question becomes, are you a player first league or a league first league? And if you're a player first league, your players are going to want to do their own NFTs and make money at it. And if you've seen me look down, the reason I've been looking down is because we're, I'm on a group chat with our players trying to determine what time after practice they want me to come in to teach them all how to do NFTs for themselves and hopefully sell tomorrow. So while walking through the whole process on their laptops, set up a wallet, mint an NFT and sell an NFT with their own, their own product, right? A picture, a selfie or whatever it may be. Um, and will the NFL allow the players to do that? Will the NBA? That's still to be determined. How much they'll be able to do and how. And to, so, and to back you up, Mark, on our GM call last week, it was like uh, GM saying the players are complaining that a card on Top Shot or a moment on Top Shot's going for two hundred fifty grand. Why don't? Why? Where's my money? <laughs> so we had to explain yeah. how the money flows. Go ahead, Rob. I'm sorry. Yeah, they'll. They'll. Yeah, they, they need to. We need to put those royalty checks on the blockchain so that they, they, they <laughs> for, get. for Spencer Dinwiddie, so he'll see him. I, I mean, we'll we'll get there. I think the um the I think Mark's exactly right, but we go a step further, and you know, to all the major leagues and look NFTs eventually 
every single community should have them, whether you're a nonprofit or a neighborhood watch group or, or you know, there's different ways to engage. They don't have to be $200,000 moments. They can be free ways to just prove who you are, who you are. You did what you did. Um, these, these sorts of things are to, you know, mementos, all these things. It's just, you know, there, it's just a digital, it's a new technology, right? We, but we as Dapper Labs, we want to focus on and work with leagues that'll go a step further than just saying, hey, we are player first and just look at the technology holistically, say we are fan first, and we're gonna do everything in our power to kind of bring those concentric circles, bring, bring those circles of you know, fan, player, and, and basically the ecosystem that surrounds the sport together with NFTs. And if you look at NBA Top Shot, the reason Top Shot works is because a player can play on the court while thinking about, hey, am I making a Top Shot tonight? I hope I made a Top Shot tonight. Now, the player can uh, step off the court and then engage with their friends you know, so many of the rookies, especially, are in Discord chats and 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 live streams and whatnot with fans directly because they just they love being able to connect with sort of on the ground people like like this and and yeah, eventually they'll also get the uh, the direct revenue share. They can build their own collection, so on and so forth. But the real reason Top Shot's taken off is because it has basically zero cost of customer acquisition and it can grow through the native channels that are, the the distribution channels that are native to the sport. Right. Hashtag NBA Top Shot this on social media is how fans can say, hey, I love this moment. It's how even eventually teams can can show, you know, this is this is um, this is what we believe to be high quality. And we share in the sort of revenue that's that's generated from it. Um, commentators saying put it on the Top Shot on on live television. Right. Like that. The Top Shot has captured that sort of atomic unit of of NBA fandom what uh, what is that for different sports sometimes it might be video highlights sometimes it might be other elements i think that 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 is the the real game changer here is sort of the interplay between how fans consume the sport how players create the sport right like generate the sport and then how pundits and distribution channels sort of spread the message of of the sport and the event that's happening another another question from the audience um for the folks on here who know the technology behind it, uh, when you're evaluating, you know, buying an NFT, or should you have to worry about the back end, uh, which blockchain they're using, whatever it is? So how much would you guys personally worry about that? Yeah, I think I would analogize it to sort of where you know think about it as Amazon Web Services versus you know Google Cloud versus whatever, and you know, eventually there'll be bridges and things, but um, at the end of the day, you need to make sure that there are so many uh, blockchains out there and side chains and whatnot. Um, in my opinion, Ethereum and, and Flow, I mean, my biased bias opinion, Ethereum and Flow are the only real uh, options right now um, because, you know, a blockchain is only as, worth, as, as useful as the community around it. Um, and, uh, and you need to ask that same question about sort of the, the network that, that the blockchain is built on. You know, Flow already has hundreds of different uh, notes from, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie is running a flow node, but so are companies like Samsung and Deutsche Telekom and, and, uh, and, and others. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, you are making a bet on uh, sort of the, the, uh, the jurisdiction in which your property rights will be enforced. Let's put it that way. Yeah, definitely integrity. I think uh, it's important to look at where are the developers, uh, where are the talents, where are the, the biggest projects, uh, and uh, and yeah, what was the traction? And as I totally agree with Ram, um, that's uh, actually 
yeah, two options <laughs> on the market. Uh, and uh, and uh, yeah, at the end of the day, bridges uh, will be built uh, probably between between all the main blockchains, yeah. But you also can't forget about governance, right? Because there are a lot of government, there are a lot of governance issues and scenarios with each blockchain and each NFT rather, um, both sides of it. And so you go to marketplaces that have their own token, that have their governance issues, which is on a blockchain, which has its own governance issues. And then you have a different layer of the blockchain, which has its own governance issues. And so it's really becoming complicated and not nearly as simple. And to, to the points that were just made, there is so much competition on blockchains and blockchains by definition, for the most part, issue tokens. And now those have put them with multi-billion dollar fully diluted valuations that they're using those tokens to go out there and quote unquote, buy celebrities or organizations and things that already have community and demand in order to create traffic and transactions for their blockchain, which again, complicates it even further when you're trying to decide is this NFT that you're buying going to have staying power and be able to retain its value, whether or not you can bridge it? Because if you know what you're bridging from can sustain what you were bridge, you know the the status of the NFT, what you bridged into really won't matter, you know, because it won't have the provenance that you need. And so it, it's not as simple as it sounds. But again, you know, I used the, the the analogies of the early days of the internet when we first started streaming and nobody knew what it was the complications were enormous you know you had to download you had to have a you know a 56k modem download a tcpi client download a, a media player you had all these in intricacies that worked themselves out but as of in the here and now there are a lot of complications you have to be aware of challenge question uh when when do you guys think the uh will be the year where digital collectibles, total dollar transaction volume will surpass physical collectibles transaction volume, if, if ever. I think it's close. It's, 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 it's probably- Close. Yeah. Uh, and uh, if, you, if you look at the different properties, I mean, I think that of course there's room for both, of course. Uh, but if you look at NFTs, um, there you, you have the provable scarcity, you have the traceability, you have the portability, you have the usage value that is much more easier to unlock. Uh, you have the true ownership. Like that's like, and the list goes on and on and on. Um, and uh, all these properties are are, are are so powerful. And uh, uh, as our lives go digital, um, I think that yeah, it's uh, it's, uh, it's it's probably closer than what we think. Depends on how quickly alt scales up because that'll be all physical assets being traded. Yeah, that's one thing. There, there's there's going to be the platforms like alt are going to make physical asset trade. I mean, already StockX, right? Like that that's the reason the trading volume is so high. They're abstracting out a lot of the uh, challenges with authentication and, and all of these things. And so so if, if it depends, you know, including those hybrid platforms, I think physical will uh, will will also accelerate. Um, but you know, I think the the friction is so much less, and the the turnover is is quite high in the in the digital world. So um, I agree with Nicholas; it's going to be pretty quick. Yeah. Plus, yeah, Gen Z, 
most valuable assets are their digital assets. You know, the most valuable asset my daughters own, they're 14 and 17, is the last picture on their phone before they have to delete something to make space on their on their phones, right? <laughs> and that's those are their most valuable possessions. And so the orientation towards digital first is only going to increase. And kind of the 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 desire to only have physical items to show off your wealth, I think, is going to dissipate more than gain. So you guys are making sort of an economic argument, not like that the total value of physical assets will be smaller than digital. It's just the v- velocity of money to bring in an economic. You're saying the velocity of the exchange will be so high. That's why digital will surpass. That's, that's interesting. Um, another question from the audience uh, deals with, again, the, the, you know, sort of some of the IP space. So amateur athletes. So pro athletes obviously often have, their labor unions who can negotiate deals through uh, Top Shot or with uh, the, the clubs with so rare and that comes to the players. What about amateur athletes, whether it be NCAA or uh, the players, uh, you know, soccer players before they turn pro? Uh, how, how are they, how are their likenesses going to be handled uh, in the future, do you think? So uh, in, in the soccer world, like um, if players don't have a, a professional contract, it's not possible uh, for them to sell their, their IP. I guess it's, it's pretty much similar uh, for US sports. Um, so, so yeah, it's, uh, uh, we, we, we don't see a way at least uh, right now to, to, for them to, to do something. So we need to wait uh, until the, you know, the first, uh, first game, uh, professional game for a player to, to issue an NFT. Uh, and um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see this uh, changing anytime soon in the soccer space, at least. I think in the card world, or at least the physical world, more things are moving towards uh, more like the shoe concept. Like right now, when players are doing like shoe deals, they're partnering up with other artists. They're going directly to those to those brands, I think the more that it gets decentralized in that, at least the physical world, the larger, the, the more the athletes can control it, the more beauty we'll bring into it. Um, I don't know if that's player first or league first, Mark, but I think there is definitely a, depending on how you think of these assets, there, there's definitely two different ways that people are going. Hey, if you can put it on your Instagram or your Snapchat, you can turn it into an NFT. And if you have enough followers, you can sell it. Period. End of story. And that's exactly what will happen. Well, yeah, college uh, student, I guess I technically can't say his name. They find me more than you, Mark, now. So, uh, no, never. <laughs> <laughs> they, they hit you for more money than me, but yeah. So um, uh, they should put fines on the blockchain. Then we could actually you know, see what, uh, see what right. we've done. <laughs> you know what? But I yeah. could take some of the letters I've gotten when they used to send letters and digitize those and turn them into nfts we'll oh, see what they go for oh oh, oh abs- absolutely for sure this is uh do you guys have any questions for each other uh you know this is a group that probably doesn't get together too often but i thought i'd give an opportunity for that since, i do uh, yeah rob yeah. do you think any of the other leagues surpass the nba i think there's a lot of value in being first um and and you know we're we're barely getting started with what we're going to do with the nba so I, uh, Isn't so rare already bigger than Top Shots? Although your your transaction volume isn't on like OpenSea because you know I guess it's uh, Crypto it's Slam, Daryl. Just go to Crypto Slam, <laughs> CryptoSlam.io. 
Oh, Crypto Slam has both. Okay, there we go. I learned something. So that's yeah, Crypto, crypto Slam has both. But there, there's no, it's only our secondary market. I, I don't know how it, how it works with TopShot, but we, we have um, roughly half the volume down. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, who's bigger right now? Let's let's start. Uh, right, right, right now, TopShot is, is, is Oh, there you go. Rohan wins. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the TopShot. We, top we, we are yet to, to, yeah, you know, to launch the, the top SoCal leagues. Uh, SoCal is, is um, very different from, from, uh, from US sports. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's bigger in terms of fan base, but then you have to go after each and, and every league individually. And sometimes, like the Italian, Italian league, for instance, which is the fourth one, uh, there's no centralized image rights, so you need to go club by club uh, to you know to 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 sign the 20 clubs individually. So that's 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 a lot of fun, uh, and uh, <laughs> and uh, and so and so yes, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a lot of hard work uh, for us to bring them all, uh, and uh, and so yeah, we're, we're maybe just half the way. Uh, so so yes, um, before like bringing them also. Still, uh, still, uh, still, some work to be done. Yeah, I want to make clear, Top Shot is is it's just a fundamentally new system, right? And it's the only um, uh, it's it's the only major sort of licensed NFT project on Flow blockchain. Um, and I'm pretty sure our secondary market is bigger than every uh, Ethereum project combined, um, possibly wow. including CryptoPunks. Um, so. I mean, CryptoPunks past sort of 48 hours have, has gone nuts, uh, but but yeah. Uh, yeah, I always, uh, I haven't gone to Crypto Slam, but I always saw CryptoPunks at the top pretty comfortably, but that's because, you know, it's not as easy to snag top shots. Yeah, it's like 100, 100, 150 users a day, though. We're, we're, NBA Top Shot is hundreds of thousands of users. Um, and, and it's scratching the surface, right? We're still super early. Um, but again, it goes to the platform choices we made unlock that level of growth. If other NFT projects make those platform choices. And at this point, I'm pitching Nicholas on flow. Uh, so <laughs> I, I'm confident we can help folks achieve the same level of growth. No, no question. What, one last thing for each of you, except maybe Mark, for each of your sites, what's like the number one thing people who want to uh, use your site should be excited about for the future? I think accessibility, where it's still it's still t- even it even though it's much easier to get into Top Shot than other NFTs, it's still oh, we got so much uh, in store, and and we want people to to it should be as easy as engaging with social media, and and it will be. For alt is probably liquidity, just taking all those physical possessions that you have and turning them into hard cash that you can go and do something with. Nicholas. Um, so usage value for us is really central. Uh, like what 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 to do, uh, what to do in in the fantasy game. Uh, so which is central to to our product, but also in other games. So Ubisoft released a game where you can play only with some NFTs. So uh, this is part of, uh, of course, our long term vision. Um, that will, the com- will there be daily fantasy gambling, or just yeah. the fantasy game? Oh yes. Right. Yeah, gambling is a bit tricky, and uh, I think <laughs> different DNA uh, for the for the company. Uh, so so probably like all the all the games, all the fantasy games. Uh, we have a lot of um, uh, you know uh, teams building uh, building stuff. 
uh, dozens of live uh, side applications like Soar Data, uh, other games like Soar Mega that are live, uh, leveraging Aucan. So from small teams to uh, gaming giants like Ubisoft, uh, who built um, games leveraging discounts. I think that's um, that's really what uh, what excites us uh, at the moment. Thanks Darryl, everyone for the time. Me. Wait, Daryl, don't. Oh yeah, Mark. Mark gets the last word, of course. It's like crossfire. Yeah, lazy.com, lazy.com, where you can show your own personal NFT collection and share it on any social media. We're adding buy and sell buttons, so you won't have to go to a marketplace. So if you have an NFT collection, like if you go to um, lazy.com slash Mark Cuban and there's an NFT I want to sell, you'll just see a buy button. You'll just click it and you'll be able to buy. So it'll, it'll little, change a little bit the dynamics of how resale is happening. Someone tweet who's got better, lazy.com, lazy.com slash dmori or lazy.com slash mcuban. So, so. It's a toss-up. Who has the better collection? All right, tweet it out. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the time. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thanks. This recording is the property of 42 Analytics and may not be published, broadcast, rewritten, or redistributed without the express written consent of 42 Analytics. Any opinions expressed by panelists are their own and do not represent the beliefs of the conference, 42 Analytics, or the MIT Sloan School of Management. 42 Analytics Educational, Inc., reserves all rights in the content.